We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. What is up, Nets fans? Welcome to another live edition of the Brooklyn Buzz. I'm your host, Nick Faye. With me, as always, Jack Manuel. Jack, how are you feeling after another win? Six straight. It's the, it's the Mitch Creek pod, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Get around us Aussies. We're taking over Brooklyn. How happy were you when he scored that bucket? No, I was as happy as Coach Kenny and everyone else. Um, our boy Flatbush at Atlantic tweeted out, you know, Coach Kenny only takes out guys who are hot. Have it again for boy uh, Mitchie. <laughs> it would have been cool if he got to play a little bit more minutes, but obviously the Knicks did a great job of kind of keeping this one close until the fourth quarter. Nets picked up the W, 109-99. Jack, initial thoughts about this one? Uh, it was a, a grind and sloppy sort of uh, affair. You know, a lot of free throws, a lot of fouling, not many like to highlight plays, but, you know, you get the win. That's all that matters. And um, I think the play other sort of takeaways expected you know it wasn't a big delo game uh but we had ed davis dominating and the chant adding it the chant coming for enos canter yeah brooklyn brigade doing their thing like you said jack they pretty much did exactly the opposite of what we wanted them to do we said they we wanted them to come out with a strong first quarter you know kind of play great defense and that just didn't happen but then pretty much from the second quarter on they got some momentum third and fourth quarter they kind of took care of business yeah that first quarter was frustrating and sloppy um, all those sort of adjectives. It was, but at the same time, you know, you sort of felt that the Nets were always going to go on a mini run, and it was our boy Theo Pinson really stepping up. You know, Shabazz Napier was able to get to the line of heat, but Theo was just hot. He was fuego from the perimeter. Yeah, he had a big impact in that second quarter when the Knicks were starting to pull away. He came in, knocked down a couple threes. Obviously, this is really his first game getting big minutes, playing 25 minutes a night, 19 points, 5-11 from the field. You know, also an impact on the boards, eight rebounds, two assists, a couple sloppy turnovers, but two steals in there too. Yeah, I, I was really big on the Theo Pinson game. I think he sort of proved um, to, to the coaching staff and to Nets fans that, you know, he's a, a ready-made NBA player. Obviously, there's some kinks in his game, but... 
the the three ball just looked confident and smooth. Uh, you know, those we certainly weren't uh, hot from from the perimeter tonight by any stretch of the imagination. But um, thank the Lord for for a guy like Theo Pinson who was just doing the right things. How much confidence did this give you? Obviously, we still don't know anything on Dinwiddie in terms of he's going to get surgery or stay, uh, play through the pain. Uh, give you in terms of his absence if it were to happen. Nah, uh, a, a little bit, Nick, because I think you know it, it's it could be maybe some false pretenses versus a, a team with the color of the New York Knicks. Not to throw shade, actually, to throw shade. I like um, it. <laughs> but at the same time, you know, you, you do it against the who the opponent is given to you. So um, now I, I think that you it was a good performance, um, but at the same time, you know. Uh, if this were to happen against a, a playoff team or, or even a, a fringe playoff team, you know, it, it would probably give you a little more confidence going forward. There's a chance he could see minutes too. Obviously, RHJ went down in this game. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But uh, Ed Davis pretty much dominated this game. 17 points, 6 of 8 from the field, 11 free throw attempts, 7 offensive rebounds, 9 defensive, so 16 for total. And he was just muscling the young Knicks. The absolute monster. Tonight's MVP. Player breakdown hopefully coming in a matter of hours as well. But he was just absolutely feasting on the boards. Um, he was pushing around Mitch Robinson and Noah Vonley. Uh, we sort of talk, uh, I talked about, you know, Jared Allen could be in for a big game due to his rebounding. But, um, you know, I, I failed to miss uh, the big boy. Ed. Uh, he was just absolutely uh, just forced. And he was just gobbling up offensive rebounds, giving, giving extra plays. It was just um, a, a sensational night from him. Yeah, you got the position right, at least. You know, you got the center position. You knew it was going to dominate, so that's all that really mattered. And, you know, the Nets probably don't win this game without Ed, and I thought the depth tonight was amazing. I don't know what they finished with in terms of total bench points, but I know at one point they were at like 50 or 60. And they pretty much carried the Nets in this game where the starters kind of struggled to start. 37, 44, 54, 71, 72. 72 bench points, Nick. It's a lot wow. of bench points. Um, obviously, it's a blight somewhat on the starters, but you know, you're going to have times where your bench unit's going to step up. And uh, tonight it was, and it, it was a bit sad to see, you know, Ronde go off with uh, the blood. Hopefully, it was just a couple, it's just going to require a few stitches and not uh, concussion or anything. But it was, a, it was a nasty head knock. But uh, I really liked his game as well off the bench. And, you know, we know Shabazz, obviously, and Pinson, uh, who we talked about, and Ed Davis uh, as well. And, um, you know, Mitchie Creek chipping in with that uh, that free throw. Yeah, that one point was very important in this one. But I'm <laughs> just messing with you, Jack. Uh, but like you said, Jack, the bench points, t the top three scorers on the Nets all were on the bench. You know, Pinson, Napier, are, and, and Ed Davis. What did you think of a Shabazz's game? You know, it wasn't, I wouldn't say a great game, but it wasn't bad. He provided something. Yeah, I mean, he was sort of doing what we talked about in terms of the, the replacement for Dinwiddie. He was getting to the line at will. You know, 18, 11 of his 18 points came from the line, 11 of 12 free throws. So, I mean, if he's going to keep on doing that, he's going to keep on getting minutes. You know, the three ball will hopefully fall a little bit better. Um, hopefully he doesn't get caught up in, in, in the doubles as well. But I think that's a little bit on his teammates in understanding him as well. But I think when Napier and Davis were out there uh, together, I really like their chemistry and, you know, the Portland Trailblazers' history is, is obviously there as well. So um, I thought Napier was serviceable. Yeah, I think that chemistry between him and Davis, it's like Shabazz is just like the tiny guy that can kind of slither through things. And then you got Ed Davis setting the top screen. So it's like a good matchup. Like you said, Jack, the double teams definitely had an impact. Some of that's on his teammates. Some of it I think was Shabazz at times doing a little bit too much on his own. Then also, he's a little bit of a 
like I don't want to say a ball hog, but he's a little shot happy. And a couple times I feel like it would have been better if he passed the ball a few times and then took a shot. There's a couple times he went down and just pulled up from three. I think he can kind of cut those out, and then we're looking at a better game. Yeah, I think shot selection is an issue with a lot of guards, and I think it was an issue with our boy D'Angelo Russell um, in in the past as well. So I think being able to have the right instincts and, and know when to pass, know when to take the shot, take the right shots, um, I, I think it is a thing of it, it just requires intelligence that is just beyond you know just it's just a general game sense uh, which I think will come for Shabazz. Um, obviously, he's going to see some extended minutes. Um, we'll have to wait and see. Obviously, on the on the Dinwiddie injury front, um, but he'll learn and you know he he led the team in minutes um, with Joe Harris tonight with twenty eight uh, as well as Ed Davis. So um, you can't knock that he he was earning the faith. Yeah, and talking about minutes, obviously D'Angelo dealt with some foul trouble in the first half. What did you think of his game tonight? You know, obviously a slow start, but he kind of bounced back in that fourth quarter, the late third quarter. Yeah, I think most guys in terms of the starters were able to contribute a little bit um, once the, the the bench sort of picked up the slack. Uh, Joe Harris and, and D'Angelo uh, probably uh, were the main fulcrum of that. So I, I thought that, you know, when you – they need to make the right plays. You know, Joe Harris was was taking some. He, he it feels like at least once a game he commits a charge as well. Uh, I, I think sometimes, you know, and it's always through a pass kick out rather than putting up a shot. So I'd rather at least put up the shot because then at least um, you can feign the fact that it might be a blocking foul. Um, but that's just obviously, you know, it, it, it might seem. Uh, sacrilege to hear your boy <laughs> criticizing Joe Harris, but uh, I think that you know th- there's some tweaks that that need to be made to his game. But um, he was still good enough tonight. It was just you know not the most pretty affair from from any of the guys apart from probably a Davis. Yeah, there were just a lot of out of sync, a little bit laziness, lack of engagement early, and also probably was a combination of some guys trying to do a little bit too much, knowing Dinwiddie was out. So I felt like on the D'Angelo front, you know, he struggled early. He just wasn't fully engaged. It's almost like he kind of took the first quarter off. We're kind of used to him having some nice defensive plays to start games. We didn't have that tonight. He actually had like a defensive lapse. But I like the fact that he bounced back in the second half and he was able to kind of contribute and help the team get the W, especially knocking down some of those threes. It felt like that was pretty much the dagger in this one. And like you said, Joe kind of struggled a little bit, but he still does enough out there where it's okay. What would you think about Rodion? So I, it wasn't a great game, but he still showed flashes of that, you know, great speed that we've talked about on the last few shows. Yeah, it's insane. Just like if there is some sort of a lane to the basket, then Rodion's is going to attack it with ferocity. You know, he's got the speed, he's got the length, and any time that it's there, you know, he's going to take it. And there's going to be those opportunities for him because, you know, it's if the, the ball is rebounded quick enough or he gets the, gets the board, then, you know, he can really attack in, in transition and you're confident uh, with the ball in his hands. So um, he's always, and, and that's a, a really tough skill. Uh, to sort of learn it and really hard to defend, you know, because even then, you know, he might start to draw some contact and, and you know, start finishing through that against some uh, and one plays. But um, he, th- those are just, those are some of the few highlights from tonight's game anyway. But um, Rodion's continues to do some, you know, poor things in, in terms of the turnovers and, and some lapses, but there were plenty from, from the other guys as well. So you can't necessarily uh, besmirch him for that. But I think it was, you know, him and D'Angelo, when they got those early fouls, it was just... Uh, it sort of left the team behind the mark a little bit. Yeah, it was a couple ticky-tacky calls, and the Nets kind of adapted to that in this game. You know, obviously they went to the free throw line a ton, 
final number was like substantially bigger than the net uh, the Knicks. They went 32 of 47. They still missed a lot of shots, and Knicks only got there 26 times. So this is a game where I think two things happened. The Nets obviously were terrible taking care of the ball. They lost that battle 19 to 8. You know, if they take care of the ball and they shoot the free throws better, they win this in probably a bigger blowout. Yeah, I mean, it was uh, – I think taking care of the ball, it was a, a symptom of, you know, our early season woes. Uh, and, you know, you're not going to be able to give the ball up 19 times uh, against a, a more credit, a, a more credentialed competition uh, than a team like the New York Knicks. So, um, but other than that first quarter, you know, it was just it was just a gritty grind out. And, you know, we've sort of advocated for that a little bit and it requires those uh, on some occasions, you know, get the weekend off um, where you come up against uh, a, a very much uh, improved opponent in the Boston Celtics. So, you know, um, it, it was, it, we got the job done. Yeah, it kind of reminded me a little bit of one of those Chicago games on the road where they kind of didn't play well. They kind of grinded out the second half. Obviously, the Knicks didn't play quite as well as the Bulls, and the Nets were able to kind of pick it up a little bit more offensively. But it's good to know they can kind of grind out, grind out these games when they need it. Talking a little bit back to the players, were you concerned about Jared Allen's game? Only two points. You know, obviously some foul trouble early, too, for him too as well. Yeah, I mean, I was a little bit frustrated with the fact that, you know, he was just allowing Noah Vonley to take some perimeter threes. And Noah Vonley's been shooting like 40% from the perimeter this season. And it's just like, you know, I get you leave guys open, be like a Draymond Green or whoever, but, you know, Noah Vonley has proven to be a decent enough shooter there. And, you know, if he makes one, that's when you go guard him. And he, and he just wasn't doing it. So I think it was just a, a lack of engagement from Jarrett. Um, there was some nice plays here and there but you know you get in foul trouble and it's and it's going to hurt you and I think that's it. he was you know a, a recipient of that as well but uh, a bit of a a sloppy game from him as well it was one of his poorer games of the season but you know when you have Ed Davis stepping up then who cares yeah luckily this is you know another kudos to Sean Marks for having Ed Davis there obviously but like you said Jared Allen not one of his best games wasn't fully engaged I think he could learn a little bit of something from Ed Davis who did a better job I thought of kind of finding the open space for his guards when those double teams were coming and Jared Allen kind of didn't do that and kind of got his guards some uh, early turnovers as well yeah I, I think that those it was just a, a really sloppy offensive affair early on allowing and 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 defensive for that matter to allow a team like the new york knicks to score 37 points they were shooting like 60 percent or something from the field and it's just like what is going on here there's alonzo tree or stephen curry um it was just a a very you know lack of engagement it just it was just you know and and i think the the adjustments were made by coach kenny you know putting in the subs giving them the extra minutes you know uh, a, a lot of guys, a, a lot of teams don't have that luxury. Uh, and the Nets luckily do have that depth. And uh, we were able to use it to our um, fullest uh, fullest ability. Yeah, and that's without Spencer Dewey obviously being out tonight. So the bench still stepped up. And this is kind of a, a feeling you get during Nets games. Oh, the starters aren't playing well. The bench is going to come in. And there's a 90% chance they're going to outplay the other bench and put the Nets in a better position they in now than they were when, before they came in. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and, and, you know, then the starters came in towards the end. They got, you know, some nice points here and there. But um, I, I think that we didn't really, obviously, we mentioned about Ed Davis's rebounding, but to win the, the boards battle 60 to 33, you know, mm. Ed Davis had 17 himself. So, like, he had half the amount of, of the New York Knicks rebounds. Um, it was, it's, it's pretty insane. You know, 18 offensive rebounds to six. Um, three times the amount of offensive of rebounds. It was just um, they were just bullied. They were just it, 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 they showed 
their not necessarily immaturity, but you know, lack of experience uh, in, in that sort of area. Yes, Volney was good offensively, but you know, he's not you know a, a five. He's a stretch five. And Mitchell Robinson, yes, he can finish shoots and he is a blocking machine, but he doesn't have the frame to compete with a guy like Ed Davis. So um, maybe they should have played Enes Cantor. But uh, I think Enes Cantor is probably in a similar boat to. Uh, what our boy Kenneth Freed is. There are reasons behind it, and um, we'll probably have to wait and see how that plays out. Um, maybe uh, he'll stop eating burgers, and, and he, might earn some, <laughs> he might earn some minutes. I really wonder if he ate all those burgers. Like that is a ridiculous mm. amount of burgers to eat in one sitting. Like that's like I don't even know if you and I could split that. Like we're decently sized humans, but like that's wild. But back he- to <laughs> the point of the thing with here, I felt like not only was it the fact the Knicks were so young in their youth. They were switching so much, so they put themselves in a lot of mismatches where Ed Davis had a smaller guy or somebody was trying to come over. Also, another area where I felt like Rondé did a good job, four offensive rebounds, a lot of that was just kind of sticking his hand in there and getting some of those tips. Yeah, I think that Rondé in terms of his hand and his defense uh, was a lot better tonight. And uh, I really liked the high-low action uh, at times where, you know, Dele would feed him and then Rondé would pass it off or kick it out. Um, I, I think that that provides us a, a, a nice little... Uh, aspect to the offense, which probably we haven't had all season, and it's not necessarily uh, the most effective. And you're not going to do it, you know, more consistently than the, the high-low pick and roll and, and that sort of thing. But uh, it, it gives us a, a, a variety to the offense that um, we haven't had. I hate. Yeah, it's exactly. It gives you a little more versatility as well. With Dinwiddie being out, you kind of need anything you can get offensively. Also, a couple nice plays via, you know, Rondé with some passes out of the post. And also, Ed Davis had a couple nice passes. And just a really good job from the backup front court. Yeah, I mean, the, the I think with Dudley out as well and, and having Rondé, you know, hopefully he can continue to, to use that opportunity for him. Hopefully the, the eye and the eye injury is just a, a couple of stitches and he can continue to... Uh, hold this form and continue it going in against Boston because uh, it's going to be a big matchup and we're going to need as many healthy bodies as we can. Yeah, actually, I wonder if he might have broken his nose because it was like almost in the round the bridge area right here. You saw the blood and then it, it kind of looked like it was a little bit over here. I wouldn't be surprised if it was like a stitches on his nose or right next to his eye where he could probably play through it and just get a mask. Yeah, it's the worst spot to get hit as well. Like, yeah. it just hurts mm. and it just makes you like a bull crying. And it's, um, <laughs> you know, you can sort of just uh, empathize uh, with Rondé. And, you know, you empathize with Rondé in all situations because he's had just a real tough run of it. And he's, um, like we've mentioned before, just a, a heart and soul guy when it comes to the Brooklyn Nets. So um, we wish him well. And hopefully, you know, as we hear the, the news, we'll report it to you guys. Yeah, exactly. It just sucks for him because every time he's like kind of getting healthy, he just gets hurt again. And it's some type of random injury that's just going to kind of hinder him. But Jack, any other thoughts on this one? No, I think that there wasn't a lot of takeaways uh, from it, Nick, uh, so to speak. But, um, you know, you you, you take the win, you move on to the next one. Uh, This is what you sort of want one game at a time. Um, These are the games we're we're expected to win, supposed to win. So um, we move on to, to bigger and better days. Yeah, I think this game, you know, it wasn't ideal. They didn't win the fashion we hoped they would, but some guys developed. You know, you saw some nice things from Theo Pinson. Shabazz probably got a little more confidence. Ed Davis did his thing. You know, Rondé, if he comes back, maybe he can build some confidence off this game too. So I think there was positives to take away. We're going to have a better idea moving forward against a better team without Dinwiddie, if that's the case, which is obviously a concern because at times they really struggled not having two ball handlers out there. But that's an area where maybe Pinson can come in. Obviously, that's wishful thinking, but we'll have to see. 
Yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting to see how he comes up against guys like Marcus Smart and Terry Rozier and Kyrie Irving. Certainly mm-hmm. a lot better than, you know, Trey Burke and, and, and Damian Dotson uh, and Alonzo Trier. Um, <laughs> that's to say the least. Um, but at the same time, you know, you, you, throw him into the, you throw him to the wolves. You know, if he can do it, um, if he can prove it and he, he shows some good plays, you know, he's steady with the ball in his hands, makes the right decisions, you know, hits some threes here and there, um, then that's all you can ask for. Um, and, and I think that, you know, he's, he's already given the coach his confidence with, with how he played tonight. So um, I think I'd be surprised if we don't see some more minutes from him uh, unless, you know, uh, Spencer Dinwiddie does decide to play through the pain for the rest of the season. Yeah, and I maybe he can even get some minutes sometimes if Dinwiddie is back just because I think he provides something a little bit different. But that's for another day. Jack, just touch on the playoff race real quick. Nets still up two games on Charlotte and Miami. You know, Detroit's uh, four games behind. Washington's only four and a half games behind. And Orlando now is six and a half games behind. And it looks like the nail is probably in the coffin. Magic are 20 and 29. Yeah, I mean, it seems more and more likely that the Nets are solidifying themselves, but we do have a very tough run, you know, to end the season. There are some, we're versus some really tough opponents. So uh, I think we need to be wary, obviously. You know, the optimism from me is never going to be super high, obviously, (laughs) (laughs) despite the fact that um, 538 apparently now has it at 80% chance of making the playoffs. Um, which is uh, astounding to me. Um, I can't remember that number being a thing when it related to the Nets for a very, very long time, but um, it, it certainly is a, a rather reputable site. So, I mean, you take it for what you will. Yeah, Jack. So uh, you're not very optimistic, but I'll still ask you anyways. Do you think there's any chance where, you know, Indiana falls down and the Nets are able to jump them or, you know, Philly, Jimmy Butler, there's a question with his sprained wrist. Is there any chance of the Nets even moving higher or no chance for you? Uh, I'm giving it slim to none. Um, you know, I'll give it. I'm not going to give it none because you know give anything us can happen. Uh, eight, nine percent. I'm not giving it double digits. I just don't think that we have the the caliber of talent to compete with those teams. And despite the fact that Victor Oladipo is out, I still think that the Pacers uh, are a better team overall and have established themselves uh, in a better mm-hmm. position to um, keep that sort of uh, area and that position for them. And a team like the Sixers has three all-stars, you know, whether they all three of them make it remains to be seen. Obviously, one of them is already. Um, and, you know, they could add some some pieces. Maybe they add a guy like Noah Vonley. Maybe they find some guys in the buyout market. But I think that uh, that team is is far too talented for, for us to compete with, at least in the standings. But when it comes to the playoffs and we come up against uh, those two, um, either of those uh, opponents, then, you know, who knows what could happen. Yeah, I think uh, the Nets, if Dinwoody and Levert are both back and healthy, I think they're probably a better team than the Pacers without Oladipo. So they're obviously, but they have to get healthy and make that jump. Philly, like you said, is a better team, but there is some talk about Butler possibly having a longer-term injury. Obviously, like you said, too, they're going to be active at the trade market, probably try to move Markel Fultz maybe for a piece that can help them now. So something to keep an eye on. But it'd be interesting if they did get a matchup with any of those teams. I think the Nets would probably prefer those two over the likes of uh, Toronto, Milwaukee, or Boston. Yeah, uh, I think you'd probably say that. I'd probably say, you know, Philly would be the number one. Uh, you'd probably say take Indiana now without Victor Oladipo. Um, but we have matched up with Philly well in the past. Um, so uh, I think both of those teams, you know, they don't post fear for the Brooklyn Nets. Um, so <laughs> we'll have to wait and see how it all pans out. Um, you know, in a seven-game series, anything can happen. But, you know, we've got to get there first. Exactly. Obviously, we're talking way too soon. Jack, any other final thoughts or topics you want to touch on before we get out of here? No, nah, I think that, you know, we've touched on everything, the pre-games, the post-games. We, we do... 
We, don't, we provide too much content, it seems, Nick. We're, we're, just, <laughs> we're running out of stuff, mate. Yeah, we are. We're doing a lot of content lately. And if you want to check it all out, iTunes, Blog Talk Radio, OTGBasketball.com, NetsRepublic.com, Dash Radio, and YouTube. That wraps it up. Always a pleasure, Jack. And a big thanks to everybody who checked in. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.